Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Mighty God, the great I am, the one who does wonders before pharaohs, dethrones kings, and lifts up your son, our king, from the tomb. Praise be to you, O God, henceforth and forevermore. Praise be to you, for truly this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. <coughs> Through the mighty Savior, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And children, get your bells ready. For Alleluia! Christ is risen! Hallelujah, indeed. And so our children are welcome to stay here or to be dismissed at Children's Church uh, in the back for a lesson for them. Friends, we are gathered on this momentous day, this Easter morning, to celebrate our great salvation, to celebrate what our God has done for us. Not that we ever deserved any of it, Salvation, redemption, new life, rebirth. We have not gained this. We have not earned it. We have been gifted it. We have been gifted it when we didn't deserve it. Or perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself. Have you heard the good news? The kingdom of God is at hand. For Christ has defeated death, trampled Satan, and eradicated our sin. For hallelujah! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Habeas corpus. Habeas corpus. Perhaps the only Latin phrase that's universally known. And do you know what that phrase means? It means produce the body. Now in American jurisprudence, that means that a person who's under arrest must be brought before their judge to determine whether or not their detention, their arrest, is, is lawful or unlawful. But for us followers of Christ, there's a different meaning for producing the body. It means that the body of Christ must be produced. Alas, but the tomb is empty. And it remains empty to this day. There is no body in the tomb. The universal witness of the Jewish peoples both those who are Christ's followers and those who disbelieve and oppose their Messiah agree that the tomb lies empty. And Roman historians record that Christians attest to this man, this Christus in one reference, trying to say Christ, that they claim that he's still alive despite being crucified. Now the Romans were no amateurs at crucifying. They were excellent killers in their execution. They would not fail to kill somebody being crucified without the executioner risking his own death. So where is the body? He is alive and he is risen. Jesus walks the earth once more on the third day. Peter told the Gentiles in Acts 10, that we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. 
God raised him up on that third day and showed him openly to witnesses chosen before God, to us who ate and drank with him. <clears throat> we continued doing so even after he rose from the dead, eating and drinking with him. No figmentation of the imagination, no hopeful joy of perhaps somewhere our Lord is alive, but actually seeing him, touching him, being visited by the risen Lord, even being held by our Lord, seeing that this is no spirit, no ghost, but is the man, the living God, the God-man, Jesus the Christ. He dines with his people this very day. He is alive as you and I are alive to this day. No, this is not the Messiah, the revolutionary that they expected. No, this is someone much more. This is the Savior that we need. And his love for us sinners is revolutionary. He is the first fruits of the harvest that will be the great resurrection at the end of the age. He is the first to enter into God's heavenly realm with a human body glorified as each of us shall be glorified in God's presence. If we have faith, if we have trust in him and what he has accomplished. But far too often, we're like the women going to the tomb, carrying on, but in defeat, doing the expected falling into our routine. Men live, men die, and nothing ever changes under the sun. We're willing to give honor to Christ in death and seek him out among the cold stones of the tombs. We come to church ready to even decorate the building, but we never expect to encounter the risen Savior. Shame on us. For those of us who profess to be Christians, or worse, at least the women were being productive, proactive, carrying on. But worse, if we're honest with ourselves, then we're like the disciples who are too frightened to admit that we even follow Jesus. Instead, we're, we're holed up into some sort of upper room of our own making. We're looking out for ourselves. We're saving our own skins. We're worried about the Romans. We're worried about the rulers and the Pharisees. We don't care about the fact that the women are out there, at least, doing their duty, showing respect for the dead. But instead, we're tucked away from the public. We hide when that topic of faith comes up. It's too uncomfortable for us modern Americans. We're, we're just shirking away. When a person mocks our Messiah, or that Christ Jesus is God, or that he was risen from the dead, or if someone so much as questions our faith. Instead, we like to be comfortable. And just maybe look for Jesus in a few spaces where we can encounter him as privately as possible. Maybe it's the cemetery where a loved one is now resting. Maybe it's a glimpse of Jesus when we return to a hometown church. Maybe we allow him into our homes when we pray occasionally or we remember to pray, oh yes, to bless the food, or we occasionally dust off the Holy Scriptures, his very word. But Christ is risen. 
Why do we look for the living among the dead? He lives. And he is among us even right now, right now in this nave, right now in the sanctified presence. Christ is present wherever two or three gather in his name. When we pray, he is near. When we meet him in the Eucharist, we commune with him. And God, the Holy Spirit, whom God the Father and God the Son sent to us, is ever present within our spirit and within our very soul. Physically, in flesh, and in blood, verily, our Lord and our Savior is at the Father's right hand awaiting His promised return, His promised advent, so that we will see Him face to face. And in the meantime, our Lord does not sit and wait in vain, but is serving in the heavenly temple, in the true temple, as our great high priest, offering himself eternally once and for all as the perfect offering to blot out our sin and to make us white as snow. Not that we came this way, for truly we came black into this world, marred by our sin and the sins that we heap up, but we are covered by his blood. And we are given the promise of his resurrection. That is why we wear white. That is why we are joyful. For we know who we really are. Or at least I hope we do. For then we can better know what our great Savior, our God is. And what our great Redeemer, Jesus is. He lives and forever, forever shall retain the humanity he took on from his mother. He is forever the God-made flesh who took up our suffering and bears it forevermore. It is absolute folly to the world. Foolishness, a stumbling block. And that is why it takes faith gifted from our Lord. <clears throat> walk with me. Walk with me now, church. Walk with me on the road to Emmaus. And hear the Gospel of Luke as he picks up from our Gospel reading in verse 13. That very day, that very day, there's two of them who are going to a village named Emmaus. And as they're walking and they're talking to each other about all the things that have happened, all of a sudden Jesus draws near and goes with them. But their eyes are kept from recognizing that this is the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, says to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, stopped their walk. And looked sad. Because what bears in their memory is the bloodied cross. What to them looks to be a failed Messiah. <coughs> but one of them speaks up, Cleopas, and answers our Lord saying, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And our Lord responds, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So much more than a redeemer for Israel. A redeemer for the whole world whose blood covers us all. Yes, and besides all this, Cleobus continues, it's now the third day that these things have happened. Moreover, 
some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now notice how these disciples, how Cleopas and his companion, are surprised to hear this report from the women that the tomb is empty. And additionally, they even lack faith on whether Jesus is risen from that message that the angels gave over to the women. But then our Lord points them to something. Points to the very Word of God, the Holy Scriptures. Look to the prophets They did not tell you that all these things would occur to show his death, to show his suffering, to show his payment for sin. His conquering of death was necessary. So listen in as Christ speaks to us as we journey along with Cleopas and his disciple in verse 27. And beginning, beginning with Moses and then with the prophets, he interpreted to them all in the scriptures the things concerning himself. I want you to notice this, church. Our Lord starts with Moses. For Christ our Lord is greater than Moses. Moses pointed to Christ, prefigured Christ. He points to the prophets, and Christ is the final prophet. Our Lord, our God, Christ Jesus, shows that he truly is Lord and king when he defeated the pharaoh of our souls satan he destroyed sins that were our slavery he is a true passover lamb who shields us from judgment and therefore he has abolished he has finished the wages of sin which is death death has been trampled down by life itself The living God who willingly died to destroy death, to satisfy sin, and to vanquish Satan's tyranny. But Luke doesn't stop there. He continues on in verse 28. And so they, our Lord, the disciple and Cleopas, they draw near to a village to which they were going. And our Lord, I love this, Luke records it. He acted like he was going to go farther. Our Lord, like I'm actually going down the road a little bit more. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it's towards evening now, and the day is far spent. So our Lord went to go and stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. They recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Oh, church, do you not hear what Luke is telling us? Sinner, have you heard your master calling for you? He beckons to us from the very scriptures that he inspired and that he has gifted to us. Listen, listen, take up and read and then behold how Christ Jesus manifested himself in the flesh to his disciples on that road to Emmaus. Through what? Through the breaking of the bread. So taste and see that the Lord is good as the psalmist told us. The psalmist was not speaking poetically. 
He was telling us literally, we taste and see that the Lord is good. For he has given us his literal body. And he has provided us the bread from heaven. That manna prefiguring what he gives us now and today that we're about to celebrate. And he tells us that our sins are remitted as we take hold of that cup. For Christ drank down to the dredges, the consequences, the results, the wages of our sin, death itself. So that now what we drink from is from the tree of life. From that fruit that hung upon the cross, Jesus our Lord. And he reveals himself to us each and every time that we celebrate and we share in the body and the blood of Christ here at the prefiguring of that great, holy, heavenly banquet at the end of the age. Christ is in the sacrament and he is in us and our faith with him. And the disciples on that road to Emmaus, they cry out to you and they cry out to me, and take heed now when they said to one another in verse 32, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened unto us the scriptures? Our Lord Jesus is found today in the word and in the sacrament. In the word and in the sacrament. And his spirit, his very own spirit, <clears throat> that Holy Spirit whom is God Almighty, is found within you in our faith. The kingdom of God is within you. The very kingdom of God, the very spirit of our God, residing within us by faith in that name that is above all names, Jesus. He who saves, Yahweh saves. And the reality of living in this age this age of the church is explained by St. Paul in Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1, when Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Christ rose from the dead, He rose you as well, and He will raise us at the end of time. Just as that first Adam fell into sin, and we all fall with Him into sin, <coughs> death, and tyranny, the second Adam rises from the dead, destroying death and giving us eternal life. A spotless Lamb who covers us and renders us spotless in him and frees us from Satan's power and tyranny to now become not just servants, but sons of the Most High God. So no longer are we dead men walking, but dead men alive unto God. Alive for what? For his service, for his purpose, for his creation. We are again gardeners in this world of God's creation. And we're called to a vocation of living as Christ lived by serving our neighbors and telling them, yes, telling them that sins are forgiven. We are not forsaken, that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb by putting our trust, putting our faith, by putting ourselves and our lives into His. And St. Peter succinctly summarized the gospel for us in just five verses from our reading today in Acts. Christ has come with power. 
Christ has died on the tree. Christ is risen from the dead, and he shall come again judging the living and the dead. And as St. Peter says, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it was he who ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. Whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. It's good news. It's so simple, so beautiful, poetic, and so deep. So who do you say that Jesus is? Not who do I say. Not does what culture say. Not even what does the church say, but who do you say Christ is? As C.S. Lewis famously summarized, you can either surmise him as a dishonest liar, a raving lunatic, or the Lord God Almighty. And if he is Lord, then we are not. And everything, everything that we do must be in light of his lordship. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the grave, for Christ will shine on you. If you believe, then you died with Jesus on that cross. You have risen with him. His spirit lives within you to love and to serve God and your neighbor. And one day you, with your body, will rise just as he rose from his grave. For it is finished. Death is conquered. Satan is vanquished. Sins are satisfied. O sin, where is thy sting? O death, where is thy victory? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.